0: Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by com coming to you from the west coast josh lander joined by my guy nate Weitzer on vacay in new orleans we are talking about a game in this video including the utah jazz formerly of new orleans as well also have another couple videos up for you just on this three game slate here on tuesday uh, make sure to like and subscribe to that page you can check out all these videos we're bringing you each and every weekday this regular season also head to the lines.com that's where you can get all the stuff we're talking about in written content from nate and the gang also can use that odds finder tool on there make sure you're getting the best juice back across all those U.S. sports books uh, for all these NBA bets you make, Nate. Let's go ahead and get into this little slate here, and then talk Yaz and Kings.
1: Yeah, it's a question of which game we're not going to talk about here, um, and it's the Celtics minus nine at OKC. Um, those teams have some weird history going on the last couple of years, where OKC's mostly been covering, but I don't, I don't really trust this iteration of the Thunder to cover even at home uh, against a great Celtics team. Then we get into uh, Washington, plus eight and a half right now at Milwaukee. Totals down to 228. We will break down that game. And then we have Kings plus three at Utah. Totals at 242 and a half. Uh, It's uh, what what our friend Mo would call a fair line, a competitive total there. It's extremely high for good reason. I mean, Utah, you look at their their recent home games, um, their last four are averaging – um 241, right? And it's a Sacramento team that scores a lot, gets up and down. And we, we've been talking a lot about DeMontis Simonis trying to play through this fractured thumb. And while his production has remained pretty good, I think he's kind of become even more of a liability defensively. Like he's not going to put his body out there and really try to stop guys from getting inside Um, was never really a plus defender down low in the first place. And so when these teams met, Laurie Markkinen really just kept Utah in it right down the line. And then they wind up covering in Sacramento. We thought the Kings could handle them at home, but they couldn't put them away. Um, So now back home, I think you got to lean jazz. They're another one of those teams with, with the crazy home road splits uh, particularly just lighting it up on offense. Um, you know, marking in 16 for 24 from the field for 36 points in his last matchup here against Sabonis. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm looking at his prop for sure 25 and a half points still. He's just become a leading candidate for most improved player and, and a real matchup problem if you don't have a guy who can really deal with them, and like I said, I don't think Sabonis is really banging with anybody at the moment. Um, Utah is heavily three dependent, uh, which I think you're going to dive into a little bit more and Sacramento can run them off the line, but that they, they weren't able to do that at home. Um, I don't see much reason to have faith in them having better success on that on the road. Um, but I mean, Sacramento's offense, I also think will, will be just fine. Um, it's just that the total at this point is so high. Yeah, I don't think you can bet it with confidence on the over. I think what you want is is to take the Jazz here, if you can get a small spread, and just assume that these trends, which we've seen across the NBA really all season, are going to continue that teams just are much, much better at home.
0: Yeah, I guess. I Man, it's it's kind of... Uh, this game, like you said, it's too high to feel comfortable about an uh, an over, but like... I was trying my damnedest to figure out how to, like, prove that we could go under in this game, and I just can't do it. Um, you start out talking about sack, and you could probably talk yourself into uh, an under because it's sack on the road. And and that's the sort of, you know, the contrasting trends here is that, that Utah goes over. A lot and definitely a ton on the road uh, at home, excuse me, just like all of the time at home. Um, They've got the only reason they've gone under at all in their last like seven home games it's because the total was like 238 and they they scored like two thirty-five or some shit, right? So like it's still an absurdly fast offensive game. They're not even playing that fast. They're still playing at like a hundred to like ninety-nine to hundred pace, which is good for like middle of the road, right? Like it's not like the, the 100, 103, 104 blazing speeds we see from like Minnesota or, or Golden State at times, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're just actually really efficient on offense. And you, you talk about Lord Markinen, but like he he needs d- to be considered um a, a lot better, you know. This this team is surprising. Utah is surprising this year in a way because um, of the fact that they've got, you know, a lot of us overlook the fact that they have like quality veterans on their team from Malik Beasley to Kelly Olynyk to guys who have just been like around for a while. Jared Vanderbilt was a great pickup on defense. So like you just, you wonder like, uh, you know, is this going to end at some point for Utah? And I don't think so, because I think they've got the guys to go along with it uh, at home. You know, they do everything well, man. I, I really don't know what to say. They, the, the only thing you can look at for the under here is, um, like I said, Sacramento's maybe not bringing it on offense and coming along for the ride. That's all I've got. Or, you know, potentially the fact that that Sacramento is able to use the fact that they've got basically the number one three point defense on the road in terms of limiting makes limiting attempts and their their opponent three point percentage um they're they're either the best or you know top 10 in, in all that stuff so sacramento i mean utah they rely on the three pointer we know they're fourth in three point or they're fourth in terms of their uh percentage of field goal shot from three the amount of points they score from three they do not get to the line they do not own the paint as as we've talked about in the past where you could take advantage of of big men uh playing against sacramento to you know to to get your points and stats that way which i would consider here as well i mean well, like I said, I want to take an under because of the, the splits for, for sack, but I, I can't, right? Like sacks, even if they, they do, you know, fail to sort of come along to that extent, like if, if they score 117 points, like we like we're talking about here. Utah's been averaging 124 uh, across their last four or five home games. So um, I, I don't think that the limiting of the of three pointers for sack on defense is really going to be enough. Uh, I think it's really a matter of if Utah's not going to shoot well enough to score. You know, then 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 you feel better about the under, but. I think it's just the Jazz, man. They, they they lost by one by with a really solid fourth quarter against these Kings in Sacramento, and they you know in that in that previous game that they just lost by one point, which was by the way a two fifty one total in Sacramento. Um, and Utah's offense shows up a little bit more on the road than Sac's does, but still, I think you, you can rely on on um, you know Utah getting theirs, uh, and it's just a matter of if Sac is going to come along. But if it's a two and a half point spread, then I'm not worried about uh, even if Sac comes along for the ride and scoring with Utah, I still think U- Utah can put them away in the end.
1: Yeah, and it's a front end of a back-to-back for the Kings, and they go home to face Atlanta. Uh, Malik Monk and Kevin Herter are both questionable. I mean, Herter would be the bigger loss. He had 30 uh, the last time these teams played at at home, Um, and Monk's been really up and down. But it it is kind of a a matching firepower situation if your best two, three-point shooters aren't out there against a team that lights it up from three at home. Uh, That averages the second most three-pointers made. With a 120 offensive rating. So, I mean, we're circling around like we like Utah's offense here. We would probably take their team total at 120 or whatever, whatever it is. And, and we're not as sure about sack. And, and so, therefore, it's like at minus two and a half or three. You just take the home team. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, you, you end it with that, with the, the team total. Um, that feels right. You know, for, for Utah, it's 121 and uh, a half, depending where you find it, 122 and a half. So, you, you know, I'm still fine with that, right? Like I said, the, the 124 they've been putting up, uh, the way that they've been scoring, the only thing you think is, is Sacramento's defense legit? But I would also argue that their paint defense is much worse on the road is Sacramento's, um, which is why teams are able to attack them a bit more there and, and probably don't even bother to shoot threes. Like I said, second few is three-point attempts against Sac, which is In part, probably because they're running people off the line. But even if they are, who are they running them off the line into? Like Rashawn Holmes and DeMontis Sabonis? I'm not not really worried about that at that point. So, um, yeah, I think you feel really good about Utah being able to score and just lean on all of the bets that that sort of uh, make you rely on that and nothing else. So...
1: Washington has won six of seven here. Milwaukee has lost five of six. Um, Some of that is misleading because of, again, who's out for Milwaukee. I mean, this is like the third time this year Drew's been out with a non-COVID illness. I don't know what he's got, uh, but it seems to be affecting his play for sure. I mean, he's been pretty inconsistent on the offensive end, not really very aggressive in looking for a shot. and. Giannis has just been absolutely putting his team on his back and it hasn't even led to some wins lately. I mean, the, that ridiculous line he put up against Chicago in a loss he did get over those props that we were like 55 and a half PRA, no way he can do that. And he did. And they beat Minnesota, but, um, Milwaukee struggling. I mean, 118 defensive rating more so struggling on offense to find anything other than Giannis doing work down low. And, Honestly, this is not a great matchup for him. Maybe if I hadn't already tried to sharp the under, I would be talking about it. It's 33.5 points for him tonight. I mean, he'll probably get there through sheer usage. But the Wizards with um, Borzingis back, of course, uh, 98 defensive rating in his last four. But also Rui Hachimura, who who is a good matchup for Giannis, kind of that big-body small forward who can follow him around. Um, he has a nice 96 defensive rating in his last two, and he's been unsustainably good on offense. Um, it, it, I think the entire wizards offense has kind of been unsustainable in this stretch, but it, I mean, it's certainly not going to keep fire on all cylinders. I think against Milwaukee, I, I mean, both these teams are kind of the, the black and blue bruisers down low that, that can limit the opposition. I mean, neither of them hit threes. I mean, and especially you look at their last four meetings, all four have gone under no Milwaukee shooting 32% from three scoring 103 Washington scoring 105 hitting 10 threes both teams getting just 14 and a half free throws as well, which is like basically your only hope if you're expecting a high scoring game. I mean Milwaukee's home road splits they score a lot more at home. Uh, I mean, basically the difference is they're more efficient inside the arc and get a couple more free throws, but it's not as stark as we've seen in recent seasons, right? When they had Middleton, when they had Drew playing well, and they were just getting up and down and scoring 120 at home every time. It's almost the exact same pace as on the road, almost the exact same defensive rating. And recently it's just been a struggle uh, from beyond the arc, like I'm saying. Um, at home, and recently they've been hemorrhaging points in the paint in in their last three, but I I think that stops here with Giannis back um, and with them heading back home here. But Washington's defense has been really impressive across the board in their last three. Uh, So I think they can definitely cover eight points. I I would much rather have that than than the favorite here. Um, I I don't even hate a a plus 300 money line, uh, but I think it's the under – that is probably your your smartest bet here. If it, if it stays around two twenty nine, it's been bet down one point. If it doesn't get bet down much further, because uh, also I got to mention Bradley Beal's questionable with a hamstring, and that could really turn this into a um,
0: you know black and blue game, as I said. Yeah, Br- Bradley Beal being questionable is interesting because he he missed the last game and I don't know what you want to do with that they still scored 118 points without him that's that's the the takeaway from that for me is they can score without Bradley Beal especially if they have Saps Porzingis so um Saps being back has been an incredible help to them as as sort of a back to the basket scorer as well uh as as a, a, a score from deep which is really what you've been hoping for him since he came in the league is you know he's not going to back you down and get you all the way down to the rim with his butt but like he's 7-3 so he doesn't need much room to get over you and he's actually like. Third right now, in terms of his percentage, uh, his field goal percentage inside the painted area in the league. So, like, you got to really like what he's doing there. Um, and, and that's a big reason for why they can score with and without Bradley Beal. But the reason that this Wizards team is like good at basketball now, by the way, I'll throw out Rich, Rui Hachimura as well. Coming back has looked really, really good um, and maybe like a really solid trade piece, if nothing else, or maybe you sign him. But either way, like, his offensive output, another reason that they've been able to score 118 without Bradley Beal. Um, but I would also add that the defense, like they're really fucking good on defense now. Uh, and that's been a huge part of it. Daniel Gafford's been, been a huge part of that as well, but having Chris Stapps in for games, their defensive rating plummets um, to, a, to a solid degree when Chris Stapps is in there as well. So, you know, Everything for, uh, for, for, the Wizards is predicated really on that defense. And you look at what they've done over the course of the last like seven games or so where they've, they've won six of those. Um, and they've beaten some pretty good teams in there as well that we like, like we've talked about. They beat Philly. Uh, I don't know if you consider Phoenix good anymore, but they beat Phoenix. Uh, I consider Orlando good. They wiped the floor with them. They were missing guys. Um, but they also beat SAC. Uh, they lost to Utah on the road where Utah, but they, you know, limited Utah to less than the 125 a game that they're averaging. So that's pretty good. Um, but either way, it's, it's the opponent field goal percent. Three-point percentage, opponent assists, opponent free-throw attempts, opponent rebounds, uh, opponent points in the paint all those things. They're dominating the paint. They're not fouling. They're not giving up easy threes. Um, and, and nothing is really coming easy at this point for, for teams plan, trying to play against them. So I do like the under two thirty. Um, but if Giannis goes for like 42, which he's capable of and just did against Minnesota, um, then I, you know, I, I do think that, that you just feel better about the plus eight, because even if Giannis does that, I, I feel confident in this wizards team to be able to, you know, limit whatever anybody else is doing at this point. Um, because of the fact that after Giannis, you know, it's it's kind of similar honestly to Memphis's offense right now in terms of what's going on in Milwaukee it's like one guy just go head down into the lane either go up or or you know kick it out for three that's what John Morant's doing in Memphis that's what Giannis is that's that's it right now for them and that's another reason that their three point percentage which usually looks a lot better um it, it, as opposed to what it's been over the course of this lo- this losing streak guys like Grayson Allen um Pat Connaughton and obviously Chris Middleton not in there Drew, Drew Holiday not in there Not much else from three. Even if you talk about Wes Matthews, Beauchamp, even Brooke Lopez, all those guys are spot up three shoot, three point shooters outside of like Chris and Drew. Nobody else is dribbling into a three, um, at that point. So you really dependent upon Giannis doing that. If you can clog the lane with like two seven footers, uh, and a solid Kyle Kuzma at 6'10 playing a solid forward this season for them, I think you got to continue like the Wizards defense to be able to keep them within eight points for sure. Um, and probably the under, but just I feel really, really good about the plus eight for, for that reason.
1: Yeah, Milwaukee, a little extra rest here, especially for for the two key guys we're talking about. Um, they've not been good covering with extra rest here, 1-3-1 against the spread on the season. They've not been good down the stretch, either 24th in fourth quarter scoring. And Washington, seven fewest second-half points per game allowed on the season, uh, obviously number one in that, the last three, the number one in defensive efficiency overall in their last three. And, and most of it has to do with what, what you would need against Milwaukee, like you're saying, is, is is length, down low, size. We haven't mentioned Kyle Kuzma, who is, has turned into a good two-way player, and another guy who you can use as a real oversized two-guard if you need to uh, and, and had a triple-double against the Giannis-less Bucks here uh, just a few days ago. I mean, Washington, with this style, has gone under in seven of their last nine, and the two overs were at home. Uh, so that really leads into this. This theory that, I mean, on the road, they're going to try to win it with defense here. And certainly if they're covering, do you think it's because the game's played in the 110s or lower, uh, like the last four meetings have been, and therefore we're going under as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, just take take the, the the last game that they played, right? It's total of two thirteen. They score one eighteen. Uh, the Bucks score ninety five. Go ahead and subtract like seven points for the for the uh, Wizards and add roughly seven points for the Bucks. I would say when with Giannis out there, I would say he's a solid fourteen point swing in most games, uh, especially when you don't have much answer for him. So if you want to look at that, you're still talking about like a like I said, I that, I use all that math to say. 210 to 215 total feels a lot more like what this will be like if the Wizards hang around. And if they don't, it's because their offense is anemic. And I still think that that under feels pretty good in this one. So uh, a few ways to bet under and uh, the the, the Wizards to cover uh, tonight. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books
1: all in one place? plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lions
0: Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports bettor. So, Nate, let's jump into your first NBA player prop for tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about the Jazz Kings game. This total has been bet up to 242, so got to like the two uh, point centers, if you will, that will be going head-to-head here. We're, we're each taking them. Lori Markkinen, you're taking Demontis Sabonis. Um, I mean, the last time out... Markin had 36 points on 16 for 24 shooting, and six of those misses were beyond the arc. So he went one for seven from three against Sac. Still had 36 points. Uh, he shoots 56 percent from the floor and 47 percent from three at home. That's good for a 135 offensive rating. Prop is at 25 and a half points. I would like to tack on the rebounds there. 32 and a half in his last four. He's averaging 12 boards to go along with 31 and a half points. Just been. On a tear, including a huge game against Miami. You know, we talk about Utah being reliable uh, to score. I mean, their their last two home games were against Miami and Washington, two great defensive teams on the interior. And is still getting his. Utah's still getting many, many points at home. So I I think you like the over here because then you look at Sacramento, 123 defensive rating in their last five. Their last three, fifth worst defensive rating, giving up the most paint points in the league. Because as I mentioned in that game video, I don't think Sabonis, he can still contribute on offense and and he's still scoring at at a high rate down low. But I don't think he's going to put his body on the line too much. He's playing with a fractured thumb and was never really a defensive stopper down low uh, in the first place. So it should be easy for Markkinen to to, for those guys to just kind of trade buckets because Markkinen ain't stopping him either.
0: Yeah, sure. Like neither of these dudes want to d up; they just want to score. Or, you know, to be fair, like Domas is filling up the, uh, the the stat sheet all over the place. So I'll just transition to talking about him because it's a pretty easy segue going from La- Lowry Markkanen is going to score on Demontis Sabonis, and to also say, yeah, but also Demontis Sabonis is going to score on Lowry Markkanen or Kelly Olynyk. Uh, doesn't matter whoever you put out there. Jared Vanderbilt's not strong enough, um, and, and is also considered probably their their you know second big man or. They're four at this point where the way that Larry Markenden plays the three. So either way, there's nobody out there. That's why we took him last time. That's why I kind of just look at who's the big man of playing Utah tonight. If it's somebody that I think can attack the paint and attack the boards, then I'm going to feel pretty good about it. Um, so Domas is at 21 and a half points. He already hit for us pretty nicely the other night on his 28, uh, 11 and eight that he scored on the, uh, the Yaz in his last timeout on, on the 30th against them. Um, but you know, 13 straight double doubles. Uh, so I'm also looking at the re- points and rebounds, 34 and a half Uh, you can get minus 104 for the points uh, on FanDuel minus 108 at Caesar uh, MGM that would be the best odds there uh, for the points and rebounds at 34 and a half so you know looking at where you want to get the either the combo or the or the points for him I'm fine with whatever. I mean, he went 12 for 12 from the field in this last one against them. Um, And even, you know, despite having uh, an injured thumb, if you will, uh, went for 31 uh, in the first game versus Denver, where he was sort of hurt uh, with that thumb injury. So I think even though you'd mentioned that he is a little bit, you know, it's a little bit of a problem. (sighs) Like, putting up little lefty hooks off the glass and, and little tip-ins off your re- off your offensive boards doesn't really need your thumb. You can just kind of use mostly, you know, your four fingers there uh, and be fine. And in a position where Utah is so bad against, you know, opposing centers, uh, they have a ninth-worth uh, defensive efficiency, def- defensive, easy for me to say, efficiency at home overall. Um, and like I said, allowing uh, the most points per game to centers, the, fo- the fourth most rebounds to them. So there's a lot of possessions, there's a lot of rebounds, uh, and there's not a lot of down-low presence for Utah. So I always feel good about a guy like Demontis uh, in this situation.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think we we covered it with, with each other's props here. I mean, that's it's, it's going to be a lot of trading buckets. Maybe Walker Kessler gets out there and tries to guard Sabonis as a big body, but I mean, he, he's a rookie, so I mean, he can he can get a nice lesson in in the uh, all the reverse pivots he learned from his, oh, yeah. from his daddy Yeah. G'day, folks. We are going to talk about the Thunder Celtics game after all. Um, and no, I'm not taking a Shea Gills just Alexander under. I, they're, they're trying to bait you into that at DraftKings with plus odds on under 28 and a half. Yeah. Look, the last time these teams played, uh, SGA had 37 on <clears throat> 13 for 26 shooting, a ridiculously high usage rate. And you know, he only had three assists. He had he has seven assists and nine turnovers in two career games. Josh Giddy, because it, it's just kind of a one-man show you know, against Boston. Um, it's it's tough to, to bank on under four and a half assists for a guy who's averaging five assists in his last 11, but they are giving you plus odds on that. I think the safer bet is under 28 and a half PRA because I think he might not be scoring very much either against a really good Boston defense. Um, and no double-double. If, if he's not able to get those 10 rebounds, I I think that's fair. Um, but the big thing is the, the limiting the assist. That's the reason he's not going to get to PRA, because Boston allows the second lowest assist to field goal ratio on the road. OKC has the third to lowest assist to field goal ratio at home. Uh, again, because it's a lot of just SGA manufacturing offense. There's There's not a lot of ball sharing going on here. And the Celtics have so much length um, on, on the wing and that, in the backcourt, you know, Marcus Smart, and Brogdon, and Derek White, whoever you want to throw at Giddy, it's it's going to be tough for him to get his. And he's only averaging 14 points per game at home. So I find it hard to believe he gets to 29 PRA altogether.
0: Yep. I mean, that's the the, the heart of the uh that uh, Boston defense right now kind of seems like it's starting a, a little bit further out in the perimeter, right? And like guys that are, you know, Rob wills doing his things to a degree, but it, you know, in that um, let's just say that the, the, the the style of play that Denver plays with a point forward, like Jokic is a lot worse of a matchup uh, in, in, in for, for Boston. Uh, I believe then, you know, a, a team where they're really playing from the outside in as opposed to any other way than more like the inside out, right? Like you get Jokic the ball at the free throw line or in the post and your offense is, money right now if you're Denver um that's not really how you're going to get points for for the uh for for the Thunder here you're relying on guys like Giddy to to do more and I don't think that you know that's exactly what Boston's defense uh that's where it's strongest right now especially with, with the way Marcus Smart is playing up top so um staying in this game to finish off props for today let's go let's go with big Papa Al Horford Papa Al peripherals as you look at the rebounds and assists for him at nine and a half that's a uh, even money there uh, for for him to get over ten or more than nine rather. Uh, you could also look at the rebounds. at six and a half. Um, getting seven boards would be minus one twenty. Uh, and then a double double if you you know think he's going to get you know uh, close to the amount of rebounds he's been getting against this team. Uh, that's plus five forty for Al. Um, look, Rob Williams is questionable, so more time for Al. More time for Al on the road uh, as he's been averaging a couple more minutes a game as well this season, uh, including nine points, seven boards, and two assists uh, on the season. On the road, uh, the last three that he's played versus OKC, he's averaged actually nine boards, eight points, and six assists in that time uh, in 32 minutes a game since he's gotten to Boston. So you know, the back to Boston, those last three were all uh, against the the Thunder as a member of the Celtics. Um, and yeah, OKC, like I said, they're the the, the they down low defense, they're, they're you know per, their paint defense, um, their big man rotation, not really solid. Uh, they allow the second most rebounds per game and the third most assists to centers. A bunch of points that are still in like the bottom five and terms of allowing points to centers as well they also just play at the third fastest pace so you expect there to be uh, a decent amount of boards available uh you know and if if boston's as we said boston's uh, team defense really like the the teeth of it is at the top um so i I think you know you can feel good about papa Al getting a bunch of rebounds and being able to to sort of board up on the defensive end as well uh so i I think he's just a really good bet tonight as a big man playing against a thunder
1: Yeah, and he does have double doubles in two of those three rematches with OKC. It's not really like a huge revenge factor at this point anymore. It's just kind of a good matchup, and he his dimes are are kind of being underrated here. I mean, the odds are minus one forty on him to have one turnover, um, and and he's a guy who can you know easily get four, five, six assists just within the flow of the Celtics offense naturally. So if we're setting odds that like he's never going to turn the ball over, he's just going to keep it moving. Boston's ridiculously efficient offense is going to get him some assists. And then, like you said, the pace is just going to get him some rebounds. So that's why we like the peripheral stats more than the points.
0: Yeah, well said. I agree with all that. So that is all the time we have for you in our player props video on this little three game slate tonight. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Check out the other couple game videos we have for you. And until we see you next, happy betting.